all CEOs, me included, we don't actually know what we're doing. They're all sharks, so all you got to do, though, is no shark bait. I don't think we've ever talked about this before. <laughs> we can capture all of the wallet share. First place you start is with the product. That's just the first nut. This is the Capital Stack. Hey, everybody, this is David Pohl, the host of the Capital Stack podcast, where I talk to founders, operators, and investors about all things value creation and startups. Today, I am talking to my man crush, Sheldon Lewis, who is the managing partner at Blueprint Equity, which is a growth equity firm in San Diego, California, um, working on close, just close your second fund, right, Sheldon? That's right. Congratulations. Thanks. And thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a privilege. Yeah. My, uh, my pleasure. I've been following your work for, for quite some time. Um, you know, I'd like to just kind of start off Sheldon, you know, talking a little bit about blueprint and kind of like what is growth equity and like, how is it different than venture capital and, um, you know, dot, dot, dot. Definitely. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, everybody, it's kind of funny. Everybody has their own definitions. And, and even when, when we were fundraising, um, you know, LPs put you in, in different boxes, even though you're, you're the same to, to, to yourself at least, uh, which is, which is kind of interesting, but, but we consider ourselves early growth equity. So we kind of are a hybrid between venture capital and growth equity. And so the way I see it, um, uh, you know, there's really three buckets of, uh, of investors. There's, there's venture capital, which is, well, there's multiple buckets, but if you really want to break down into institutional investors, there's three, there's venture capital, there's growth equity, and there's private equity, venture capital. Um, you're coming in the earliest, you're taking the most risk. Um, you know, your loss ratio, um, is, is quite a bit higher. So your, your, your loss ratio is probably 80%, but the 20% that are winners end up being huge winners because you come in so early then you got growth equity, which is kind of a in between venture and um, and private equity, where you're you're really still focused on growing the business. Um, you know, burn is still it's still okay to burn, uh, but but the goal is to eventually get to profitability during your hold. Um, and you know, the loss ratio is almost inverse; it's probably twenty uh, percent, uh, you know, as opposed to eighty percent. But but you lose out on a little bit of that upside. Uh, and then there's private equity, which is, um, you know, kind of the, the, the business is in, um, you know, it's not in its infancy by any means. It's in its, you know, later stages. Uh, you're definitely focused on profitability. The investors that are investing are using debt and kind of financially engineering um, uh, an exit and, and looking for, you know, a 2x or, you know, at most a 3x return. So we kind of we kind of sit in between venture um, and growth, uh, and consider ourselves early growth. So, uh, we'd like to think that, um, you know, hopefully we'll, we won't have our loss ratio will be zero but, and, and knock on with so far that's been the case, but, um, uh, but we think it'll be a lot lower, but we still get the upside of coming in early. Um, uh, and, uh, and, you know, and so where we usually come in is kind of the one to 7 million in revenue stage. So it's, you know, it's not a, concept it's it's definitely a proven business but it's still early in its life cycle 
uh, and and then we really try to uh, you know supercharge that business and um, and and get pretty involved in in helping it uh, make it to that next stage of growth. And it's all minority investment, so it looks and smells a lot like venture capital. And the fact that you're sitting as a minority investor, you have a board seat, but ultimately management is still founder driven. Absolutely, yeah. So all all minority, um, but. Uh, but, but I'd say as opposed to most of our peers that, that are also minority investors anywhere around this stage, um, we are pretty uh, hands-on, assuming the entrepreneur wants us to be. Um, it's 100% up to, to that entrepreneur. Some entrepreneurs say, hey, you know, I, I want to do 99% of this uh, myself, and, and, um, and we say, fine, that's great. But we kind of present to, to all of our entrepreneurs that, you know, almost a um, a Chinese menu of things that we can help with and that we've helped with in, in other companies. We've invested between me and my business partner uh, in about 30 businesses now. And so we've seen all, all B2B SaaS or FinTech or tech-enabled services. So we've, we, we've kind of seen the, this, this movie before, um, even though we're, you know, an earlier stage fund. And so we can be helpful, but, but obviously um, we don't, we're not uh, forcing our opinion or our involvement you know, where like a lot of majority investors and, and kind of on that, uh, on that note, we're, you know, one of the things that's kind of unique about us that I think the entrepreneurs we, we, we've been, had the privilege to work with appreciate is um, we have and uh, are in the process of expanding our, uh, an operations team where we can, you know, actually have someone to help them out with recruiting or top of the funnel, go to market or, you know, you know, um, kind of more typical go-to-market sales and, and marketing. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, financial modeling, building budgets, KPIs, reporting, um, and uh, and really preparing them for, you know, for that exit or the next round of financing, whatever uh, whatever is best for that, that individual company. Yeah, no, and it's really great. I mean, especially if you're going to, you know, offer that post funding to get all that set up in diligence anyway, because then you actually have the operational framework for them to report to you because, you know, you're seeing the numbers the way you want them to be seen and not their interpretation. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And then most of the companies, you know, it's, uh, the, our diligence process is, is kind of enlightening obviously for us, but also for the entrepreneur. Um, uh, but, but a lot of times it's, you know, it's the first time they're, they're really digging in and running some of these numbers themselves. Um, so it's a good exercise either way, but, but you're, you're exactly right. It's, um, you know, one good for our knowledge and, and, and probably most importantly, good for, um, for, for both us and, and them, um, to, to just kind of steer the ship the right direction. Uh, but two, you know, you get the benefit of, um, having those numbers. And, and like you said, um, knowing, uh, uh, you know, how other investors are going to see them so that when you do take the business to market to, to either raise money or, or sell, um, you're, uh, you know, kind of eyes wide open about, uh, you know, the intimate details of, of that, that individual business. So when you're thinking about this early growth equity stage, um, you know, like the there's like... It's so, so interesting, like the more and more I've, I've been in this field and it's not been very long, I think it's been like seven or eight years or something, but, you know, I've just, I've seen so many like incentives, perverse incentives in just generalized fund structure, right? In the fact that, you know, mm-hmm. 
MOM, multiple uninvested cash, or MOIC kind of trumps IRR because you can get paid out more, you know, um, continuing to like, you know, push the envelope, pushing, you know, the company to get further and further uh, from an enterprise value perspective. How do you think about like your fund math and taking liquidity in hold times? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and it's kind of interesting because because every you know LP has their own answer. Some will tell you they're mo- more focused on IRR, and some will tell you they're uh, more focused on MOIC. Um, I, you know, both are important. You know, and and just for the um, entrepreneurs or, or or other folks out there listening, um, you know, IRR is how how quickly do you get your money back um, versus MOIC is is what is the multiple on the money uh, that that you invested that you're getting back. And so so both are important. You want to pay people back as much as you can, uh, but you also want to pay them back quickly because um, they want to put that money to work in, in something else, either your yeah, fund or... Like, yeah, and an MOIC calculation generally means that you're actually following on and putting more money in. So your multiple on invested cash will be lower because your cost basis gets higher, but your ending payout hypothetically is going to be much higher. Right. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I personally, I think um, we, you know, we, we've, we were pretty fortunate where um, we had uh, a couple big wins um, uh, last year and uh, you know, it was, we didn't need to to raise money in both situations, uh, and this is kind of our um, our favorite thing is 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 investing and in getting businesses to the point where they don't need capital because then they become uh, that much more enticing to you know whether it's uh, strategics or or just upstream buyers, uh, and that's what happened with, with with two of our businesses last year, and and both were great outcomes where we we sold a third of one and two thirds of the other. Um, but didn't need to. And because we didn't need to, you, you know, I think um, we could kind of ask for higher multiples and, and demand more. And so part, and th- this kind of goes back to your question on, you know, when do you realize returns? You know, part of it has to do with the market and, and you know, no one's no one has a crystal ball and it's everyone's best guess on what it's going to do. But you can generally say, you know, last year, you know, things were pretty frothy. <laughs> um, and, you know, right now things are uh, have, have clearly kind of gone the opposite direction. And so, um, you know, most investors, um, you know, hopefully we're, we're able to get some some chips off the table last year because, you know, this year it's probably not going to be as easy to see the especially the valuations and the returns. Um but uh, but it, to, to answer your question, I think you know personally, I'm I'm more concerned about the. I'd probably give the MOIC the slight advantage over IRR, but uh, you know, but getting people their money back uh, quickly is also important. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, um, talking about valuations, right, and thinking about how they were last year. I mean, like for for realizing liquidity, I'm. I'm a coward. So whenever somebody offers me money, I'll take some you know, yeah. for my shares, you know, uh, usually as long as it's up, you know, it doesn't mean I'm going to sell everything, but you know, I just, I, you know, I run everything through special purpose vehicles at my firm. So when I, when I'm able to do that, I can go back to those same people and say, Hey, do you want to play again? And generally the answer is yes. Right. So, um, it's definitely good for me. However, I do know I'm, I'm for going upside. Um, so, 
when you're thinking about like valuations um, and like how how much like the companies can go for, there's been so much change over the last seven years where, you know, I've generally seen things kind of normalize, you know, around seven to 10, and then they went from 10 to 12, and then it was like 15 to 20. Mm -hmm. And now they're kind of in this nebulous, you know, kind of area where no one knows where anything's going to go. How do you think about valuations right now? And where where the buck's going to stop on on this? And are you looking things at a current ARR basis? Or are you looking at like where they're going to be in 12 months? How do you think about that from the stage that you're investing in? Yeah, it's a good question. It's uh, It's been a really interesting dynamic over the last 12 months, as, as I know you've seen too. Because, uh, you know, it was kind of last year, um, you, you know, even at this time, it was you know, grow at all costs. It was so easy to raise money. Everyone was, you know, throwing money at, at anything and everything, you know, kind of the, even, you know, the A companies, I think, and, and I hear this all the time talking to other investors, the A companies are still getting funded. That hasn't changed. And, and they're still getting decent, you know, pretty good valuations. Um, I, you know, my favorite, uh, actually my favorite Warren Buffett quote is, you know, it's, it's far better to buy a, a wonderful company at a fair price than a fair company at a wonderful price, meaning, um, you, you know, people, good investors are still paying up for, for, for good companies. But um, the dynamic that's changed is those companies that were kind of the, you know, B and, and C tier, um, they're having, they're struggling a little bit more getting funding. Um, whereas, you know, a year ago, uh, they could, you know, kind of, you could, you could, uh, uh, you know, throw, throw a baseball in any direction and, and, and land on something. So, um, I, you know, we, we've at blueprint, we've 10, we, you know, of course we subscribe to the kind of Warren Buffett way of uh, what I just said, make sure you're, you're investing in a, in a good company more than just getting a great price. So we, you know, we have, we have paid up for companies and we will we'll continue to do so for great companies. Um, but you know, the, the, the world has changed and, and I think everybody needs to take that into account, not only investors, but entrepreneurs too. And so, you know, where, you know, a year ago, maybe an entrepreneur had a number in his or her head. Um, you know, for for better or for worse, it's it the the, the world's just changed, and and um, they need to make sure that um, uh, you know if it, they need to not optimize purely for valuation. And and you know, my advice would be um, more focused on 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 finding the right partner. Um, so. I don't know if that answers your question, but, you know, but, but multiples have, have certainly come down in the market um, over the last 12 months. And, uh, and, and where do I see them going? You know, I, th- I think it'll probably be a, a tough year this year, um, but, uh, uh, but, but we'll see. Uh, and I, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know if I answered your first question, which is how are we valuing companies? We're usually looking at um, uh, current ARR and, and, current, and yeah. giving a multiple on that. Of course, we, you know, we take into account what the projections are going to be, but but I'd say, kind of in order of what's important, at least to us, is uh, you know growth is is number one, um, historical growth. You know, we look for at least seventy five percent or more um, year over year, and, and most of the companies when we're when we're coming in are, are well over one hundred percent. But then second to that, you know, margins are super important. Burn is important. Market size 
you know, we're obviously looking at the other key metrics like CAC and LTV and magic number. Um, so all those things are important, but, but yeah, anybody who didn't say growth was the most important would be lying to you. <laughs> I feel like kind of around that series A stage, you have a choice of kind of what type of potential partner you're investing in and what outcome eventually, or really the strategy of what your company has to be like happens. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, and maybe that even happens in seed. I mean, seed got so frothy too. I think in 2021, the average seed round was like $5 million. So, you know, you're looking at it, you know, 20 to $25 million post money, where in, in normal times, you know, if you're doing a current ARR multiple of eight, you're still underwater, you know, when you're at a series A. So like you really actually like are put into this binary situation where you have to justify TAM and a venture like return. Yep. Yeah. It's, it is pretty crazy. And I always urge entrepreneurs, you know, we, we kind of run into this wall sometimes with companies, especially now where they raised at these, you know, crazy high um, multiples previously, um, you know, in their, and maybe it was angel, money or friends and family or, um, you know, or, or, or seed, but, um, but, you know, that kind of sets the bar really, really high for them. And, you know, they, they're stuck, you know, kind of in between a rock and a hard place. Cause of course they want to maximize value and, and get the best valuation possible. But, you know, if the bar is set too high, you know, if their last multiple was 50 times revenue, well, you know, it's, it's, it's harder to do that in you know the kind of the large you get there is uh th- there can be some some kind of multiple compression and so what you don't want is you know you raised at a and i'm just throwing numbers out there but you raised at a you know 40 million dollar valuation for your business that was doing a million in revenue and now you're going back to market to raise a series a and you're doing you know two million in revenue which is great you grew 100 percent um but a 20x multiple if you're looking for an institutional um, investor, you know, could, it could be hard. Maybe, you know, maybe you got a terrific product and team and and you can make it happen. But, um, but then all of a sudden, you know, do you, no one wants to do like a down round and to have to go back to their investors, you know, their early investors and say, Hey, we're not worth what, you know, what you paid a year ago. Um, so, you know, I would just urge, entrepreneurs everywhere where, you know, of course, valuation is important. Your equity is precious and you want to hold on to as much of it as you can. Um, that being said, you know, don't get too hung up on it because if, you know, if you, you get to a good outcome, a good exit with the right partner, it's not going to matter. You're going to have plenty of money. And, um, and so don't, you know, don't worry about, you know, kind of rounding errors. Um, and, and I would say, you know, focus more on a partner that's going to help you optimize that eventual outcome and that eventual exit. And that could be helping you through, you know, operationally through go to market, recruiting, finance. It could be helping you with that, that exit. It could be helping you with um, just, you know, advice and, 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 and being a good, you know, kind of sounding board. But yeah, whoever it is, just make sure, you know, whoever you partner with, you, you, you number one, you trust and you like. Uh, yeah, can't tell you how important that that really is. Mm-hmm. How do you think about um, you know 
fund structure, like how many companies that you have, you know, fund one versus fund two, check size, diversifying that risk. You know, how do you think about that one? Yeah, I mean, so for for us, so we, we're we, we're fully invested out of fund one and investing out of fund two now. Um, you know, fund we, one was seventy five million, right? Right, um, and so. Uh, we had eight investments in that, so it was a relative, it was a pretty concentrated portfolio. Um, you know, with Fund Two, it's uh, we're going to have more investments. It's uh, it's it was, it was a, a good step up for us. So it's a two hundred million dollar fund, um, and we we really think we found a sweet spot where we're investing now. So we didn't want to move out of that. Um, and so with the larger fund, we will have more investments because we want to stick to the same. Um, uh, types and size of, of the businesses that that we invested in, in with fund one and had success within fund one. So, you know, fund two, it'll be a little less diversified, but probably, you know, 15 companies or so. Um, so, you know, I, I don't really subscribe to, and, and, you know, there are great VCs out there that, um, you know, prove this wrong, but I don't love the you know, kind of 30 companies in a portfolio, um, you know, or, or more, some funds have, have even more than that. Uh, I just think that it's hard to, you know, that, that game is a very different game than we're playing with that. That game is more that VC model we were talking about earlier in the conversation where, you know, you're, you're kind of just home run hitting uh, and unicorn hunting. And, and, you know, out of those 30 investments, two of them will be, awesome outcomes that will hopefully return the fund and some, but you know, the other 28 are not so great or, or just complete duds, you know, complete uh, donuts. Um, so, uh, so I, you know, I get, I get it. I get that strategy. And I think, you know, maybe that strategy works a little bit better for, you know, the earlier you are. Um, but, but it comes with a, a, a couple sacrifices. And one of the most important ones is you just can't, you know, give the time and attention to, to, to each company that, you know, that they deserve. Uh, if you're making 30 or 40 investments, you know, that managing partner is probably sitting on 10 or 15 boards, you know, and uh, in between fundraising and, and sourcing and everything, they're not giving you any time. Uh, and especially if you're not one of those two top performers. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, you know, as the entrepreneur, that's something to think through, but um, but also, you know, from the investor side, we, we kind of like a more concentrated approach because you can have, you know, um, uh, you know, you, you, we think, you know, if you, if you, if you do your job right and pick right, uh, it's a lot easier to, to have, uh, um, outsized returns. Yeah. I mean, considering how hard it is to get one deal done, right? Like if you're actually doing the work and doing diligence totally. and understanding an industry, totally. I mean, and, and sourcing and. Totally. And that's a good point. A lot of times, the, you know, if you're making that many investments, you're not doing the right work. You're not doing any work. Um, yeah. You're just seeing who else yeah. is in it. Right. You know, and then you're underwriting right. to see, can they be funded again? How good is the founder at, you know, selling and totally um, getting your way up there. So that's really exciting. And so you said you're going to keep to the same sweet spot. So same exact series kind of a, you know, uh, three to $5 million checks. Is that right? Uh, and a little bit larger. So fund one was three to 10, three to um, 10 million got dollar it. Checks. and then fund two is five to 15. So five to 15. Um, 
That's yeah, fantastic. But I'll, I'll kind of give you the, the, the high-level parameters. Yeah, same yeah. as fun one. So B2B software is, is our primary focus, but we also look at fintech and tech-enabled services. Um, a business is doing, you know, call it one to, you could say one to 10 million in revenue, but I, I'd say our sweet spot's really one to seven at point of entry, uh, growing 75% or more year over year, uh, bootstrapped or capital light. So we are usually leading um, that series A and, and usually the first institutional investor involved. That's not always the case. Maybe there's an institutional C investor, but but most of the time we're, we're the first institutional investor uh, involved. Always take a board seat. Um, like I said, pretty hands-on if the entrepreneurs want us to be, and, and usually they do. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of started the, and it's something you'll, you'll appreciate, I, I'm sure, you know, being down in Scottsdale, but when we started the firm, you, you know, had the thesis of you can find great companies everywhere. So we're, we're less focused on, you know, the Valley, Boston, New York, um, when it comes to sourcing new investments and more focused on kind of everywhere else. Um, so, yeah, that's the that's the scoop. Yeah. And you completely have an outbound sourcing motion. We do. I mean, we, we definitely welcome, you know, any inbounds and, and appreciate inbounds. Um, uh, but. Uh, but are heavy, heavily focused on outbound sourcing. Yeah, I feel like if you're playing the game that you and I are playing, which is you know more economical type of of of, of deals, like the the seed funds, they're incented, they're playing more venture games, so they're really incented to show the deal to the highest bidder. So there's nothing if you're seeing it, everyone's seeing it. Um, right. You might actually be seeing it last, right? Totally. You know, totally. Especially if you haven't seen it at first. So, you know, I'm, I, I've completely went and actually based on your recommendation and some others, I've just gone completely outbound um, with us just because we've just found it so much more um, successful. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it's, it's very true. I, I, I do, you know, I, I still have yeah, standing calls with, uh, with folks at, at, at other firms upstream and, and, and downstream from us and, you know, we trade deals and, you know, maybe they weren't the perfect fit for us, but they would be for them, you know, for, for any given reason. But, you know, I do get a little worried when, um, you know, especially when you triangulate, like someone else in the firm said, oh yeah, I saw that deal from some, you know, from somebody else. Then, you know, like everyone's seeing it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's a dirty that's, deal. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, you never know there, there, there could be, you know, a great company, a good deal, but, um, but we do like to find ourselves in more proprietary situations where we're kind of one of one or one of, you know, three, not, not one of 50. It actually kind of turns me off when, and you've probably been in this situation too. When I'm on the phone with an entrepreneur, I, I ask him, I say, you know, who else, how many folks are you talking to? Or, you know, how can you tell me about the process? And they're like, well, you know, we had, you know, 30 investor calls in the last two weeks. It's like, well, great. Like, well, right, because they're, what they're, they're, they're trying to neg you into like, you know, moving quicker, right? And yeah. whether it's true or not, you know, you're kind of like starting off with the bad intent of like optimizing for valuation, right? So totally, totally. And I, and I get it, but I don't know. No one, I don't think any investor wants to be one of 30, right? Like do, you know, try, I, I'd encourage entrepreneurs to do as much work as you can ahead of time, not only because it'll make your life a lot easier, but um, try to find the firms that, you think would would it would be a really good fit for you, uh, and you know, and it'll make it a easier process and 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 a, and a better process. 
Do you ever run into this, because I do, for searching for bootstrapped or capital-like companies, companies that are off the grid? Generally, like they might be in that persona of like being growers, high-margin businesses, but they're a little long in the tooth. They might be seven, eight, nine years ago, and there might be something economically that happened that you know all of a sudden gave them a pop in their growth, and they're growing a little bit quicker, but you know they're a little bit older. Do you ever? How do you think about those? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we're probably less focused on how old the business is as a whole um, and more focused in on, you know, what, what kind of what has the growth been lately, uh, assuming it's not coming from some, you know, um, COVID bullshit. Normal. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, if all, you know, all the telehealth companies during COVID, right? It's like, right, okay, right, exactly. Like, I get it. You, you know, you're, you're growing. Let's pull through. Growing, yeah. You're growing like a weed, but, but you know, and that'll last a year or two, but but it's not going to last you know forever. Uh, and and we're really focused on what not only what's going to last and grow you know continue to grow through our whole period, but you, you know whoever buys the business, they're going to want to make sure that there's there's still growth to be had. So we're not only thinking about our five years, but the next five years um, when when we come into an investment. So yeah, I, I think it's fine if the business has been around a little bit longer. Uh, you know, I think the the only downfall is. Um, Sometimes we see those businesses, you know, that the tech is just maybe a little outdated. Sure. Um, and this is just generally speaking, not, you know, there's definitely unique situations. But if the business has been around, you know, 10 years, you know, code was probably developed 10 years ago. And so if it hasn't been updated or kind of modernized, then, you know, that could be a ding. Uh, but but we wouldn't, you know, hold it against the business for being around that long if, if all of a sudden if they kind of, it just took them a little bit longer to figure something out. So you're a generalist, right? Uh, generalist SaaS investor. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in particular that's really making you um, like super interested um, from a vertical industry trend perspective? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, we you know we've had we've done a lot in like construction tech, residential and commercial. Um, so we like those areas. Um, we like prop tech. Uh, we've mm-hmm. we've done a, a decent amount of in prop tech in the past, um, but yeah, I, I, I try not to. You know, we just made our first cyber investment, um, which uh, you know, which is doing well. Um, so I try not to like put us in a corner when it comes to to areas. But um, as I'm sure you know, other folks on this podcast have said, you know, you, you make an investment in you know, space and you, you do learn a lot more about that space and you see more deals in that space and you, you know, you become a better investor in that space. So, um, so yeah, we, we love it when we know the industry already, but, um, but try not to pigeonhole ourselves with. Well, no, exactly. Just, it was then it's like a, then it's like a circular reference, right? If you're not actually doing something, you're not actually ever doing something right. You're just kind yeah, of going back and forth. Totally. Um, you know, and, and eventually you have to take the shot you're not going to be able to underwrite every single thing. Yep. Cool. So what are you excited about this year? Uh, I'm excited to, um, I mean, we're, we're, we're still hiring. Um, so, um, you know, continue building out the team. Um, uh, I think there's, I mean, obviously there's, there's still a lot of, it's been a, a, a tough, um, market, um, uh, but but there's a lot of great companies out there, and uh, and so excited to make some great investments and partner up with some great people. I know that's kind of a cheesy general answer, but uh, but it's true. Awesome. 
That's fantastic. Sheldon, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, everybody, thank you for tuning into the Capital Stack, where we talk to founders, uh, operators, and investors about all things value creation. We drop an episode every Tuesday. We're on all your major platforms, YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. If you like it, tell a friend, subscribe, cancel me, do whatever, and I will talk to you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Capital Stack Podcast. Make sure to share this with someone you know that can benefit from this content. Remember to support this show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. David Paul is the founder and general partner at DWP Capital. All opinions expressed by David and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of DWP Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. David and guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed on this podcast.